ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 60 of the Finger Guns Podcast. How are you doing? My name's Roscoe. Thank you for joining us. I'm here with Mr. Grey Kicks. Good evening, sir. How are you, sir? Oh, you know, still ticking along. Haven't died yet. Can't complain. Hey! Well, that's something. <laughs> that's something. How are you? I'm good. I haven't died yet, so things must oh, be Oh, yeah. Good. No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not being a nihilist or an extremist. I mean, so far, I am still working and kind of thankful for it. But otherwise, yeah, still not dying so yeah <laughs> good it's great i'm not one of the statistics hey i'm really happy about that me too me too mr paul collett hello sir hello mate how are you oh i'm good i'm good i've had a week of decorating hell um so that's good and um i'm not corona so everything's good <laughs> so everything's good <laughs> good i'm glad i'm glad that the that it speaks to the times that we live in that the barometer of how are you is i'm not dead <laughs> It's it's a worrying time, isn't it? It's like um, we say that though. I mean, um, I just seen a video from my local uh, like Facebook sort of you know group thing, um, and there's a bunch of like I say a bunch of massive crowd of people drinking outdoors, starting a fight. And I was like, excellent. Hope we'll go down and get Corona because they are scumbags. There you go. Oh man, I know. We're going to be here forever, aren't we? Uh, yeah. We're the uh, good guys. So that's all right. Stuck in lockdown. We are the good guys. Yeah. Look after us. We'll show you the way. <laughs> Mr. Toby Anderson. Hi. I'm also alive. Hey. Well, that's good. <laughs> How are things? Pretty good. I only had two days at work this week, which is nice. Um, nice. So I've had a lot of time off to play games. Good, good. It's been good. Excellent. I look forward to hearing about what you've been playing very mm. shortly. And Mr. Sean Davies, what have you been eating today? I regret to inform you that Sean Davies has passed away. <laughs> oh. <laughs> too much Haribo <laughs> I had to book the trend I'm, I'm very well, I'm not full of anything I had um, had a bacon and cheese sandwich earlier, that was that was delightful mm. and I'm currently drinking Dandelion and Burdock, there you go there's your story for the week oh, I do, I do uh, ask the question Sean, how are you a lawyer the things you eat, it's amazing I think, you know like Mr Burns yeah. he's, he's got like a, a million illnesses that kind of balance each other out have they, have they discovered the, uh, the cure for 26 stab wounds in the back yet? What? That's the quote from The Simpsons when they unfreeze him in the future. Yeah. Oh. Have, they, have they discovered the cure for 26 stab wounds in the back? And he ends up snapping Wait, in half. Seriously but... wasted that one, Greg, I think. Oh, <laughs> I'll actually, yeah, I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't hear what you were saying. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> you kind of broke up a little. I'm, I'm fine. How are you, Roscoe? Yeah, I'm good, man. It's a very warm day here in, uh, in South Wales. But uh, yeah, I'm good. I've got my Vimto. I'm out of alcohol already, which is disappointing. But yeah, rocking Vimdo and uh, looking forward to recording a podcast with you guys tonight. So let's get started with what we've been playing. Who should I start off with? Toby Anderson, what have you been playing this week? So two games I think I can talk to you about. I've been playing Yes, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yes, Memories of Salsetta. Yes is a game. It is under embargo, so I can't give you a whole lot. But it's out. On, it's been out since 2013. Um, so it's a little bit of a strange position to be in where I can't talk about it, but at the same time, it's been out for, what, seven years, eight years. All I can say really is that it's on PS4, the port that I'm playing. It's a very, very long running series of JRPGs, um, of which I've never really played one of the ones before. So it's quite interesting to have a play. Um, but yeah, my opinions will be in a review when the embargo lifts, which will be a week from now or so, wouldn't it? And secondly, I had to go on a demo uh, earlier today. Uh, of a game called Chris Tales. I don't know if you guys have covered that one before in uh, yeah. Indie Corner or anything like that. We we had a bit of a play around with it at Eject Res last year. Fantastic. Fantastic. When, when before the end times. 
<laughs> when we were allowed out in, in exactly. the world. Exactly. Um, well, there was a demo um, that came out a while back, and I didn't, didn't realise at all. I was totally hyped for that game um, and got to try out the demo today. Um, and it is fantastic. There's so much to that game that's just gorgeous, gorgeous thing to play. If you're interested, There's it's sort of like a, a time crystal sort of setup where you're, you're a time mage. Um, there's this little girl who's like... Um, looks like Madeline from the old French cartoons um, called Chris Bell, and she can use this time sword thing. Um, but the idea is that you can see past, present, and future all on the same screen at once, um, and you can move around, and you can see people growing and aging and having their own kids and stuff. Your little uh, frog helper can jump back and forth in time, and he becomes a tadpole in the past, and he can go and become a very old and elderly frog in the future. Um, and you solve all sorts of time puzzles, and it's it's like proper JRPG as well, so there's turn-based combat, and it's 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 a gorgeous sort of cartoon, it's sort of Samurai Jack-looking world. It's um it's really cool, and it's got some real style, real style, like, um, like Persona style to it as well, um, where everything's been hyper-modernized menus, and it's really, really sweet. I liked it. And, um, Considering when this podcast goes out, I should have a, a little hands-on on the website at the same time. Fabulous. That's what I've been playing. Grand. Thank you very much. Mr. Paul Collins, what have or haven't you been playing or watching this week? Yeah. Uh, I've actually been playing this week, which is a rarity. So, um, that's wow. Kind of I know. I'm all kind of, all my ailments in my hands have seemed to have disappeared for the minute. So, uh, fingers crossed with that. So, I've been playing Just Cause 4 on PSN for like eight quid. Eight pound, all the DLC, all the updates, everything. And I just think that's insane. So I thought I'd give it a go. And Just Calls, uh, to me, is a bit of an enigma. I mean, you've got this massive world. You've got explosions coming out of your armpits. You've got everything. But it's just nothing to do. It always seems like there's nothing to do. I don't know. I understand. But I'm going to stick with it. Um, I want to see all the kind of weather weather effects and this kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, to see what it's got to offer, because I've never really completed Just Cause game, because I get bored after, like, half hour, because you get stuck in a jungle somewhere, and you've got to walk for tight 10 days to find a car, or whatever. So, I've been playing that, and uh, I have, have been you, playing... Just, just before we move on, Paul, have, have, you, uh, have you got to the tornado yet? Oh, not yet, no, I'm very early on still, so... Uh, is it is it soon? Is it coming soon? Is it like, um, the start, sort of thing? No, it's about five or six hours in, I think. Are you, oh, wow, got, okay. You've got to kind of you get to like the operation tells you to go to this experimental base, um, and it's quite a few zones into the island before you first see one. Yeah, that is a game changer. It's worth sticking around. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, just, okay. Yeah, because I, I saw the trailer and I was like, wow, that does look good. Um, so yeah, I want to give that a go because uh, it does look exciting. So I'll try and stick with it. I'll do my best to stick with it. So uh, I'm also playing Jump King, which is a cute little pixelated 2D platformer in which you jump, and that is about it. So I'm going to play that and review it on the website, hopefully for sometime next week, and then I can let you know my opinions then. Good luck to it. That's all I can say. Anyway, that's it. Mr. Greg Hicks, what have you been playing this week? Continuing my love for SnowRunner, I kind of hit a peak the other day because I, I'm quite a ways into it now. I finished quite a big freight mission. I opened up my save. Um, two of my not late game but well-earned trucks have disappeared not not been misplaced on the map just completely disappeared and money doesn't really come thick and fast in snowrunner and you can find trucks in the world map but they don't replenish or anything so yeah my progress has kind of halted on that and i'm a little bit pissed off with it to be honest because that's like how many hours have i been playing it now each week and yeah i've just got some basic trucks now that are going to make life 
so much harder. So I kind of shelved SnowRunner, and in a weird kind of penance to take out on myself, I've gone back to Sekiro. So probably not good for my well-being or long-term health, but I'm really enjoying it again. <laughs> I'm actually really, really enjoying Sekiro. And this is going to sound really, really stupid, and everyone's going to probably laugh at me. I said to you guys on Slack, I been banging on about my tv for ages and how i thought it had set it up amazingly uh it turns out i had it on the wrong sort of display mode and game mode if you've got any tvs i always used to think it was a thing that like call of duty players blame getting shot on because it always says it like helps with latency issues and stuff like that um i've actually been flying through my new game plus it's not been a complete cakewalk i have been getting my ass kicked by some bosses and overconfidence has been you know justly knocked down on a couple of occasions but yeah i'm actually hitting parries when i'm pressing the button and actually having really well choreographed boss fights and stuff so yeah i've been putting myself through that and i'm still playing my switch i got a bit stuck on breath of the wild not stuck stuck just common sense went out the window i mean you guys some of you guys have played it the bit where you've got to get the blue flame up to the lab and i was like how am i going to carry a blue flame like i haven't got a jar to put it in and I actually went online and it was like, yeah, if you've got a torch, you can light the torch with the blue flame. I was like, oh, of course you fucking can. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, oh, I just felt really, really special. I was like, oh, yeah, I've got things I can burn. It's a flame. And there's torches along been, the way. We've all been there in some game or another. <laughs> you know, you're thinking like far too laterally, like, oh, there must be some some sort of ancient Jonathan Blow witness level puzzle solution to this. And it's like, no, it's a flame. You can carry it on a torch and you can light the torches along the way. So when it does go out, you don't have to backtrack as far. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes me feel really dumb. So, yeah, testing my skills on Sekiro and losing brain cells playing Breath of the Wild. That's been my week and getting pissed off with the long haul freight simulator that was that is SnowRunner. Sad times. That's a shame. I know how much you enjoyed SnowRunner. And I really I don't enjoy I, it I do. Yeah, I mean, I haven't got the funds to replace the trucks I've lost and... It's just going to take a hell of a lot of grindage to pick up where I was. Or is even it, if, is it actually if a I bug can. that's got rid of them? Is it a well, known bug? I don't know. I mean, I've seen people say that they've lost trucks like out in the wild and they've loaded them up. But mine were in my garage. Mine were in my truck store in my garage. And I went to pick one out the other day and it was gone. And I was like, well, did I leave it out on the map? Because you can. The game pretty much autosaves all the time. So you can't, like, if you fall over, you can't quickly, you know, like, scum save and reboot it. If you reload up, you have fallen over kind of thing so yeah i thought no i haven't left them out on the map anywhere and you can you can go out to them each map you're in and look through what's on there like any trailers you've got around any objectives i'm like where the fuck are my trucks gone and yeah they've just vanished and i can't load up any there's no there's no safe slots to previously load anything so kind of a bit boned really bad times man yeah so i think snow runners gonna get shelved for a bit no. yeah that's that's been my week really i've just been sort of Hitting Sekiro again, mostly, and cool. play me Switch. I'm looking forward to hearing about SnowRunner again in six months' time. <laughs> How much you enjoy well, it now? I'm, I'm getting back into Sekiro, I think, in anticipation for Tsushima. I know they're going to play completely different games, but I think it's just, you know, when you, you want to get familiar with something. So, I mean, I, I've been trying to pitch Sekiro to Toby, but I think it's too close to Tsushima for him to start another game. I don't yeah. think it's the right time. I'll get yeah, all sam- exactly. samurai, you know, overload. You'll you'll have two different button layouts, and it will just mess your brain. Yeah. But um, yeah. Sorry, digressing. That's been that's been my week. Awesome, Mr. Sean Davies. What have you been playing in the great wide world this week? I've been playing a bit. <laughs> 
the random PSN game of the week is called White Boys with Attitude, The Pursuit of Money. Oh, man, did you pick that up? I saw that on PSN and I thought, what the fuck is that? So, so tell so me the, about it. This has to be seen to be believed. There is a free version of this thing called White Boys with Attitude, The Pursuit of Money. And then, so basically what they've done is they've made games for two of the tracks on their album. And I can't genuinely tell if it's a parody or not. Because these guys are way too into it for it to be like Goldie Looking Chain. And they're not funny. <laughs> so the two tracks they have on this this free download is called Do the Perp. Um, where you your your DualShock 4 becomes like a motion controller and you have to do a dance. Um and I'll be honest with you, out of the out of the all of the music I've heard from them, that is the most catchy. It sounds like a pop song. It's like do the perp, do 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 do. It's quite good. Um, but the the actual game is dross. Um, and once you complete the game, it then says, "Hey, did you like that? Well, head through to PlayStation Store and spend seven pound on our album, which has something like thirty tracks on it. Um, it's the best album you will ever hear, ever. That's a promise." And I genuinely don't know if these guys are actually taking it. It's two white guys that dress like um, Dr. Dre. And I genuinely don't know if they're taking the mick or not. Because the second song on there is like really serious. And that one is like a, a, a runner game where you start, you're in a car and you've got to not hit animals as you drive along, but also shoot jeeps. It's it's very weird. I genuinely think that this is worth downloading because it is bizarre and it's totally free. And I was going to review it, but I thought uh, kind of informing nobody's purchasing decision saying about a free game, whether it's good or not. Uh, so I didn't bother. But like, just download it and see for yourself because it is, it is wild. And yes, Roscoe, go, go get the free version and, and we can have a perp off. See how your dance moves <laughs> stack up. Um, All right. So the <laughs> the second game is Fly Punch Boom, which there's a review on the website. It's a basically it's Dragon Ball Z uh, fights set inside an arena, and you basically fly into one another, punch each other, and there's like a, a clash button which activates like a rock paper scissors style um, mini game where you press a button, and if if your opponent presses the right button, uh, they get a win over you. But if they press the wrong button, you win. And basically the idea is you just got to kill each other using characters that look like they are like a, a collection of Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network characters on crack. You kill them in any way necessary using these environments that you're in. So in one of them, you can knock out the lower level of a building and have the building squash the other character. Uh, you can send them into space and have them have them fly around a planet using gravity to slingshot them very quickly around to you, and then you uppercut their head off. Um, it's all non-gory. It's a very family-friendly game because inside of these characters is candy, so they're like pinatas. So like you uppercut the head off, and then you see sweets fall out, which is which is great. The first time I saw that, I was like, "Oh no!" I'm playing with my <laughs> my seven-year-old and I've just taken the head off his character and I was like sweets good save well done uh, so if you want to learn more there's a review on the website um, next one's called Gunman Clive HD Collection it came out on a mobile like nearly a decade ago then it went to 
and 3DS, and then it came to PC, and then to the Nintendo Switch, and finally it arrives on the PS4 like a decade after it first released. It's fine. There's a review on the website. It's a 2D platformer that's got a really cool art style, and but it's very short. And it's short because it never does anything twice. So it, it's got some cool ideas in there, but it never reuses them in any way, shape, or form. Like every single platformer trope that you can think of, it's in this game just the once. And it's wild. It's constantly kind of fresh because it does that, but it, it's not. It's a lot of money for like three hours of game. Next one's Patata. Potato? Potato? I don't know how to say it. <laughs> but basically it's like a, a 2D RPG game where you play as this young girl who... Uh, and it's not under embargo. It's not out yet on the Switch. It's out on PS4, I think, already, and PC, so you can probably go and pick it up already. But um, I've only played about three hours of this so far, and it is weird. So you play as a girl that like rips up this plant in a, tr- in a forest, and she manages to piss off the entire forest and the forest comes to attack her. So then you kind of try and fix that situation. It's wild. And I will have a review of that on the 6th of June. Next up is Warborn. Now, if you've listened to this podcast, you'll know I've talked about Warborn a few times before. Um, it's it's a, a hex grid battler. And because I'm reviewing it, I can't really tell you any of them more than what I told you when I was playing the beta a couple of weeks ago. It's like Gundam. Um, mixed with, um, I think it was, is it like a battalion where they used to have the hex grid battles? Um, but yeah, it's like a hex grid battler turn based with Gundams, and it's a lot of fun. I've completed over the weekend a Fold Apart, which came out on the PS4 this week, which is a game, it's a puzzle game where you, you play as two characters stuck inside photographs, and you have to fold the photographs to create platforms to get to exits. Um, so the, the photographs are two-sided and you basically have to fold the back onto the front to create like uh, whatever's on the back then becomes part of the front. So say there's a platform on the bottom right, you lift up the front left to create that platform on the front of the image. It's pretty cool. It's a bit short and there will be a review on the website tomorrow. And lastly, The Last of Us. I reckon I'm almost done and I wish I hadn't have waited until the end of this generation to play this game. Not because I'm not because I'm liking it. Because where are you? Um, I've just got back into the the subway. Um, I've done. I've been to the Firefly base and everything's dead. And I've come out of there and then gone somewhere else. And now I'm back in the subways again. Uh, okay. And yeah, I, I was. I I seem to have missed a few instructions about. Um, killing the clickers so i was having a real hard time of it until i realized you couldn't kill clickers from behind if you didn't have a shiv um which which i, I took totally breezed by by me i've just been traveling along it, it it has not aged very well at the end of this generation playing it for the first time it just does not feel very nice to play yeah i started i started playing the remastered one the other day and i thought this is revolutionary. I know it sounds very weird to say it now, but it was revolutionary at the time, but even this remastered one looked a bit ps 3 Yeah, every, everything's very straight. And, like, y- you can tell the walls were, like, last generation. They're just, like, 
very straight and you look at some of the, like the the foliage which has been placed and it's that like that 2d foliage that looks towards you when you walk past it it's fine like the gameplay itself hasn't really changed you know uncharted 4 isn't that much of a leap from the last of us remastered but you know it it doesn't it, it feels old now and i kind of wish i played it way before now but hey ho i gotta get it done before the next one comes out which is how, how many days have we got now 20 20 odd days uh, is it the 17th? No, July the 17th is Tsushima, isn't it? I don't know. When is it out? 19th. 19th? 19th oh, of June. Jinx. Yeah, 20 days. God damn. Better get on it. That, that is what have I been playing. What have you been playing, Ross? What have I been playing? I've been playing Minecraft Dungeons. I mean, that's pretty much been my week, aside from, you know, Fortnite and Animal Crossing. Of. Um, I'm really enjoying uh, Minecraft Dungeons. There's a review of, of it now up on the website, over on fingerguns.net. And yeah, it's a good time. It's I'm not very versed in dungeon crawlers, so I don't really play them all that much. So this was a kind of nice in to that genre. A very kind of like family-friendly, kind of like my first dungeon crawler kind of experience that Minecraft Dungeons is. And yeah, it's a good time. It's a good laugh. I ended up playing it with uh, one of my nephews over the weekend, and we had a good time playing it. And it's fine. It's missing. It doesn't have building. That's a really weird aspect of it. There's no way to actually make things in Minecraft Dungeons, which I find very odd, considering that that is essentially a fundamental mechanic of the original Minecraft. It's a strange spin-off. Even Telltale's you know, Minecraft story mode had building elements in it. Not much, but some. And it's just a really strange omission. It kind of stops me from thinking that it could have been as good as it could have been. You know, I gave it a, yeah. uh, I, I gave it a good score, but I don't know. It's it's something missing. Have you um have you been playing it in your house with the with the kids, or have the kids been playing it? So they've almost finished it. Um, they've been playing it three player. I've played it for about two hours, and I would have reviewed it based on what I played so far, based on what I've seen the kids play. I would have been far more critical because I've seen games do what Minecraft should have done in this game. Um, so did you ever play that game Riverbond? Came out on the PS4 a while back, and then hit the Switch. No. It's, it's basically the same game, except you play as more colourful characters in a voxel world where you can destroy all of the environment. So, like, everything that's in the environment, you can destroy, and then that kind of, after a set amount of time, it comes back out of the environment to, to replace it, to make the levels continue to look lush. Which is, like, you walk around Minecraft dungeons and nothing is destroyable. Like, the yeah. walls, like, all the scenery and stuff, not, there's, there's, like, that's, like, a really kind of basic thing for this genre that that this this doesn't get right and you're right mm. there's no there's no building it's, it's weird because when uh, i'm sorry if i'm stealing your time here but um, no, like, it's weird that minecraft is such like a massive cultural landmark for gamers i know not everyone on this podcast likes it but you cannot deny the impact it's had on gaming it's weird that I, the spin-offs have been a telltale game which was really quite poorly received apart from those people that really loved minecraft and this, which doesn't feel at all like Minecraft. I'm glad that Microsoft are finally trying to kind of expand what Minecraft is beyond mods to Minecraft and people doing, you know, videos on YouTube or whatnot. But this doesn't feel like it. This ain't it, Chief, is yeah. what I would say. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's like, I completely get all that. But you know, I still found myself enjoying it and going back to it. And uh, I was happy to kind of see it through to the end. It's not a hugely difficult game. I think it can it can probably be done in one night if you kind of sat down and just powered through it properly. Mm. But uh, yeah, it was it was perfectly serviceable as a dungeon crawler as a as a fun video game. But yeah, it's missing fundamental Minecraft um, aspects, which are very strange that they're not there. Uh, right then, 
It's time for... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most exhilarating, most exciting, most electrifying video game quiz in all the world! Hosting the Finger Guns Trivia Challenge. Lock up your daughters, hold on to your butts and go absolutely uptown Funkatron for the smoothest cat in the entire podcast cosmos. It's the knowledge himself, Mr. Sean Davies! Oh, it's the quiz. Okay, let's get this out of the way with it done rather quickly. This week, it's all about open world games. I have here a list oh, of... Oh, God. Such a cool uh, bias. <laughs> yeah. These are all questions about Just Cause 4. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I still could make half an hour of it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this here is a list of 10 games and three locations found within those games. They are landmarks, towns, villages, locations that you would visit. Each one... Um, I want to know the the game that it came from. Okay, so I'm going to read you three names of locations from each of these games, and I want to know what what game it is. Okay. Okay. Are you guys ready? I guess. Ready. Let's go. Let's roll. Okay. Question one: Pinkney Orphanage, GCPD Lockup, and Wayne Tower. The game. I want the game before anyone asks if they can have the series. I want the game. Oh man! <laughs> Do you Great. go to these locations? Um, yes. Uh-huh. These are all locations that you visit within a game. The question one: Pinkney Orphanage, GCPD Lockup, and Wayne Tower. Was it recently added to Project X Cloud? Probably. Wait, I can I neither confirm nor deny <laughs> whether this was recently added to Project Ask Cloud. Damn it. I think you got a one in three chance of getting that right. Really? <laughs> 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 okay. Question two Noodle Park, Alcatraz, and Swan Leave It Observatory. And question two. Noodle Park, Alcatraz, and Swan Leave It Observatory. Or Observatory, if you would prefer. Two questions in, and I'm already stumped. That could be any game set in that particular location I almost gave away. No, it couldn't. One of those things is only in that game. One of these things is not like the other. Yes. Okay. Question three. Windhelm, Whiterun, and Riften. Do you want the full title? Fuck, I don't even know the full title. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. No, I don't want the full ah, title. Ah, crap. It's, it's one of them. <laughs> I'll I'll take um, what everyone calls it. I call it a massive pile of shite. <laughs> yeah, but your review goes score goes from massive pile of shite to yeah, it's all right. Can I have those names again, oh, please? Surely, jump. boy. Yes, yeah. Again, uh, number three: Windhelm, White Run, and Riften. 
If you would like the spelling so you can type it into Google, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you spell wind? <laughs> okay. Question four. Mother's Cradle, Devil's Grief, and Maker's End. Oh. Question four. Mother's Cradle, Devil's Grief, and Maker's End. And you saying that just got me very hyped for Thursday. Don't Oof. give it away. Don't give it away. I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm excited. Did one of, one of those come from the moon? Yeah. <laughs> one of them was on the moon. Oh, is it? I don't know. I haven't fucking played it. Sorry, that's a, that's a good... You haven't played it. You say you haven't played it, but it sounds like you know what it is. I know what the quote is because it was infamous because it was Dinklebot. Oh, fuck! <laughs> wow. That would be interesting. It's not, is it? <laughs> oh, I, I don't fucking know. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> it's not? Oh, okay. Then no. I've got the answer wrong already. <laughs> right, okay. Question five. Mm. Times Square. Fisk Tower. And the Daily Bugle headquarters. Fuck, that puts my other one out of whack. <laughs> oh, this is a disaster. What's Did happening? Everyone else, else have the same thing for the second one that I think I just got wrong? Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, balls. This is not my week. I think I've nailed the second one. Okay, question five. Can Time I question two, please? <laughs> <laughs> Can I quickly put it into Google? Yeah, Ross, if you don't get number two, I'm actually going to come around to your house right now and give you a dig. Mate, if you don't get number two, I'm going to come around to your house and give you a dig. How sweet. You got to do in real life, but. Question two Noodle Park, Alcatraz, and Swan leaves. Hey, don't don't Everybody does it. Okay. Question five Times Square, Fist Tower, and the Daily Bugle HQ. Let me just write the full title just in case you're going to be a dick. Okay. Question six. <laughs> RKO Theatre, Union Station, and Westlake Tar Pits. Yeah. Question six, RKO Theatre, Union Station, and Westlake Tar Pits. I'm going to say that thing I always regret later. I think I'm confident I won now. <laughs> confident you've won or confident of confident one? of one answer no hey. definitely not confident i've won low low ball toby <laughs> toby if you don't get four i'm gonna be really sad yeah me too <laughs> yeah i don't need it i don't need to have peaked on your second quiz <laughs> okay uh question seven crater lake wizard island and highway 97 Question seven, Crater Lake, Wizard Island, and Highway 97. Oh, I think I remember that one. I'm sure it's a game I have played. Maybe. No. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> I, I genuinely really don't know if you stuff. have. I'd like... <laughs> I, I don't know if I have now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, God, Sean's deflating. <laughs> I think, I think, I think what we've got here is Greg trying my tactics saying he's got it all wrong 
you effectively get it all right. I think that's what's happening no, right I think, now. I think it does create a link that sounds familiar. Again, also being a real place. It was in Smallville, if that helps. I haven't watched Smallville. I heard it's good. Oh, it's good though, man. Okay. Question eight. Oxenford, Tamaria, and Vangerberg. The Vangerberg is coming. And everybody's <laughs> Okay, question eight. Oxenford, Tamaria, and Vangerberg. I fucking know this one. Might be confident at two now. Nice, nice. <laughs> 2B2. <laughs> 2B2. going to get two out of ten. Sounds like a <laughs> terrible football result. <laughs> Toby Anderson, two. Accrington Stanley, none. Well, at least I won. <laughs> Who are Accrington Stanley? Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Accrington Stanley? Okay. Please tell me I'm not the only one that remembers that advert. Yeah, no, I remember it. Just yeah, yeah. Funny. <laughs> oh, is it because it takes the mick out of Northerners? Aww. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay, question nine. Bunker Hill, Red Rocket Trucks, Truck Stop, and Vault 88. So question nine. Bunker Hill, Red Rocket Truck Stop, and Vault 88. I think I know that one. Famous last words. Country roads. The only thing that really annoys me about the quiz is we've got to wait until the end to get the answers out. It just kills me all the way through the quiz. Like, I want to know. (laughs) Without Googling, obviously. Okay, and finally, question 10. Siwa, Alexandria, and Hermopolis. Siwa? (laughs) Siwa? See what? <laughs> Question 10. See what? <laughs> Alexandria and Hermopolis. In what game would you visit those three places? Egypt. <laughs> Great. And that was all Send 10 questions. Right then, let's get into some news. And this week, Sony have been very busy discussing PlayStation to PlayStation 5 forward compatibility. And they've said out loud that new PS4 games must also run on PlayStation 5 from July. Now, this is a bit... There's a bit to go into here, so I'm going to try and get through it as quick as I can. I am reading from Mr. Tom Phillips on Eurogamer, who says, quote, Sony has told PlayStation 4 game developers that any new titles submitted for certification must also be compatible with PS5 beginning July the 13th. This means all PS4 games received by Sony for testing after in the middle of that month are technically forwards compatible, playable on Sony's next-gen console, though it is up to each game's developer to ensure this is the case. Developer documentation released on PlayStation's internal partner website. Details and option developers must check to state their game has been tested for compatibility with PS5 hardware. This option was added at the end of April in a new version of Sony's PS4 software development kit. It's worth emphasizing that all of this applies to games submitted to Sony after July the 13th, which is not the same as anything released after that date. Submissions are generally made well in advance of release to ensure Sony's certification team can approve the game in time. So there's a lot to kind of like unpack here, and I'm going to go to uh, the master of unpacking, uh, Mr. Sean Davies, regarding right. what this means and what does this tell us about um, the probable launch lineup for PS5. Okay, so the first thing 
I did when I saw this was I worried. I worried a whole lot because Microsoft have been talking about their backwards compatibility and have said that there will be thousands upon thousands of games available for the Xbox Series X on the day of launch. And it certainly sounds like Microsoft have developed a system level backwards compatibility. Um, unlike the way that they did their previous backwards compatibility, where obviously they did it by a game by game basis, it seems like they will have a very similar situation to what they have with um, Xbox One and Xbox 360 now, but moving forward. So basically every game that could run on an Xbox One will run on an Xbox Series X. It doesn't seem like there's a game by game basis. That does not seem to be the case with the PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 5. PlayStation and Sony are putting the onus to have it tested for the PlayStation 5 on the developers. They are asking them to do their own checking before it's sent to Cert. That is a surefire way to have a lot of games that will not run on the PlayStation 5 day one. Because there's a lot of developers that won't see it as, as worthwhile to go back and check. There's a lot of developers that won't have um, de development kits. You know, a lot of these smaller, obscure indie games, these ones that might not have done as well as they probably could have done, um, and ones that have reached their peak of sales and are no longer selling, they, the developers would have to go in themselves and test them. And that is unlikely to happen. So the list of games that will be available for the PS5 on day one will likely be far shorter than that that is, is going to exist for the Xbox Series X. The good thing is these games are being tested. So you've got a tick box and they will know that they work day one. With Microsoft's approach, it sounds like a system level one, which isn't always guaranteed to be um, of quality across the board. If it's a system level one, you can have errors. And if you do have an error, it might affect every single game. So it's, it's a worrisome situation. It is good, though, that we have a situation where Microsoft, uh, sorry, that Sony have already said, test your games to the PS4, so it's to the PS5, because that game will need to be mandatory available in the PS5 moving forward. That's a good thing. It's just a shame that so many games that have been released on the PS4 in the past, which should be, Sony should be absolutely adamant in trying to get the, the games that people have bought for the PS4 available on the PS5. They should be forcing that because they are the market leaders. They have people with massive game catalogs that should be able to just transfer it across straight away. And if that isn't there, people are going to be less likely to want to get the PS5 over maybe the Series X. It's, it's such an open goal for them, and it seems like they're just scuffing it at the last minute. But it's good that they are at least thinking about it now. It's just a shame that it doesn't feel like it's going to be system level. And it does feel like it's going to be developer-driven, because some of these day games, just they aren't going to get moved forward, and that's a major shame. There's no worrying in terms of like Sony's first-party lineup that they've released this gen. I mean, I think it's probably fair to say we're going to be able to play Horizon God of War Spidey on day one on PS5. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's the uh, it's it, it's the more kind of like if I want to boot up my PS5, open up my library and play 
everybody's gone to the rapture. That, yeah. I think, is where the issue is going to come in. Yeah. I mean, you'd hope that because Sony published that game that you'd expect, you'd, but obviously the, the relationship between the Chinese room and Sony broke down massively. So maybe they won't. But it's it's like there's so many indie games that have come out in the last couple of years. Like I have a collection of indie games on my PS4. It, it's in a folder called Play These Next, and they never get played next. A review game comes and <laughs> usurps them. Um, but it's just like loads of little indie games that I picked up for a couple of quid that I wanted to play. And the likelihood is somebody's not going to go in and check the box, and it's not going to get moved forward. And the game preservationist in me desperately wants Sony to go, come on now, like send out an email to every single developer that's ever published a, a thing on there just to go, go and tick the box. And if it doesn't work, we'll fix it at the other end. Yeah. But it's not going to happen. And that's a shame. Does, does this make you more or less inclined to get a PS5 at launch? I'm getting next-gen hardware, and I already have enough stuff on my PS5 that would be forwards compatible than an Xbox. So I've got like 20-odd games on my Xbox One. I've got close to a 1,000 on my PS4. You know, it's, it's a no-brainer that even if half of those get moved forward compatible, then I would never struggle to for a game again. You know, this is the way we're in now, yeah. where it's a no-brainer. And also, I, I don't think, when you weigh up the studios, Sony's always been, you know, for me, the more attractive. I don't think I could live with the next gen not playing the next Spider-Man game, for example. I definitely could not, if that was in the launch window, not have that game or another Horizon or the next God of War. Or, you know, despite the fact that I think it's aged terribly, the next Last of Us, you know, in, in its most glorious 4K form, you know. Mm. So it's a shame that it's not system level. It's not putting me off a PS5. It just means I'm going to have to keep my PS4 around, which, you know, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be, I think it will improve over time, won't it? I mean, it'll just be a slow rollout. I mean, yeah. I, there'll be a point after the launch of the PS5 where you can go, okay, well, I don't need my PS4 anymore. Yeah, and I, I think there'll be people that do that anyway because... And, if you've not played it now, you're probably never going to play it. You know, these people like me who've got a massive backlog and we keep saying, we'll get to it eventually, they're never going to get to it. You know, <laughs> there's not enough time in the, yeah, time in the day. I, I literally would have to break my pelvis and be in plaster for like eight weeks for me to even bother to pick up some of these games. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it's it, the fact that they're there, you know, for, for when I break my pelvis. They're not there. I think eventually, yeah, people will stop wanting to have the PS4 because, you know, the new games are going to come and the PlayStation 5 will have exclusives that are designed specifically for the PS5, yeah. um, which is unlike the competitors. Mm. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting situation. Um, it, just, it just reeks of Sony again, kind of misunderstanding the importance of backwards compatibility, yeah. um, which is a shame. I didn't really consider it as much as Sean had. I just, to me, thought it was a good idea from a consumer point that you don't have to worry about sort of losing a catalogue as such, but I hadn't really considered the ramifications of, like Sean said, putting every game on and that kind of thing. So it kind of scuppers my thoughts of it out the window. But I like the idea that, yeah, if you buy the PS4 version, like, like with Cyberpunk with the Xbox, if you buy the PS4 version... And then you upgrade to a PS5, you don't lose that game. You don't have to trade it in and buy the PS5 version, for example. But uh, yeah, I haven't really thought much more other than that. I think Sean covered more of the technical side of it because I'm a bit rubbish at that lot. So I heard somewhere, and I can't remember exactly which 
outlet it was that I heard it from, um, that there was going to be, uh, or at least um, Sony had said that there was a chip base, a chip level um, backwards compatibility in the PS5, that it was going to be something to do with the logic chip, which would mean that it would automatically pay, play the PS4 games. It's just that from this point on, it had to be mandatedly tested rather than it was just going to happen and they'd hope for the best, which is probably what will happen with all those back catalogue games, that they'd that they'd make it so that you actually had to test it now. But I hadn't, I, I'll say the same as Greg, I hadn't really thought of it in exactly the same sort of level of detail as Sean has, but I did think there was something they'd said about making it chip level specific. And the only other thing I also want to add is that I did hear they said um, 100 of the most played games um, that you know that everyone's been playing for the last five six years or whatever it is will be available on launch. So they've said the the hundred most played games have already been tested and will be available. Yeah, to clear that up, that was from Mark Cerny's talk. Cerny, Cerny, and um, yeah, Cerny, that, that's it. That, yeah, he he was referring to um, the boost mode for the PS5. So the the hundred top most played games have been tested using the boost mode, which includes in, increases. Nice frame rates and resolutions if available um so at the time the way that that was worded it came across as only 100 games would be backwards compatible at launch (laughs) and and you were right there there were uh rumors going around that it was chip level and uh, it would automatically play uh ps4 games but also when mark cerny was talking he was talking about there are a few games that definitely won't run on this hardware and that i think that was to do with the load speed so because the load speed would be so fast and the computational um mm. it, it because it would, certain, it would crash the game sort of yeah exactly so that it basically it was it would be too fast for and and you know some of the things that we don't see is that some games actually build in like lags load times specifically for things to to work out the way that they need to do to be um there's like you know the wait function where it's like wait 10 seconds <laughs> so if if the game is is running at a particular speed and that that wait is built in but then the 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 timing around that isn't the same it might crash the game and that's that that i think is the issue because i think you know the way that some indie games are coupled together you know, it's a miracle they run at launch. It's a miracle if it will run on new hardware too. So I'm kind of glad we can clear it up a little bit, actually, because if it was confusing to me, then I'm sure it's confusing to other people as well. That oh, boost sure. mode bit wasn't quite clear. So yeah, that's that's useful to know. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I, when that that I, the conference ended, the people that hadn't fallen asleep started to complain to Sony, and you know, Mark <laughs> Mark Cerny could he should have just come back on and gone, it's fine, and just in his lovely dulcet tones. And everyone would have calmed down because he's so lovely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was referring to boost mode, which is the the fasty, super duperty bits that they're on about, including for games where you just you can turn it on and it will make a game run better. So we shall see. Fingers crossed. I'm hoping that it's system level, that it's chip based, and there yeah. will no, be no issues. I quietly yeah. trust Sony. Like you said, they're, they're always the one that I go to first. It's always the first console of, an, of a new generation that I'll buy. So I trust that they'll do it right. But at the same time, you know, we've had in the past couple of generations, they haven't really done backwards compatibility in the way that they should have. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I really want to put my PS4 towards my PS5, ideally, in terms of a financial sense. I'd really like or to trade it in. Able to, 
yeah, I'd like to put my PS4 Pro towards the price of a PlayStation 5 because, you know, I think the PlayStation 5 is going to be a significant amount of money this time around uh, because Sony don't learn anything. <laughs> and I think that there's every chance that it's going to be maybe 450 just tops. It would be nice if I could just fuck off the PS4 Pro and just be like, right, I've got all my games or most of my games on PS5 to play. That's fine. There's plenty of new games to enjoy. Good day. But How much do you get for a PS4 Pro trade in now- nowadays? I don't know. That is the question. About 150 quid, I think. These 150, days. yeah. I reckon yeah, 200 would be pushing it, that's for sure. Yeah. Fuck me. Well, it's something, isn't it? What can I say? Something, yeah. <laughs> it's something. It's a little, le- it's a little uh, less than I was hoping. But, you know, what are you going to do? Paul, do you want to round this off? Have you got any thoughts on this? Oh, not really. I mean, that's, that's going into pretty pretty much like in-depth as you can get. I mean, I didn't really know much about it, to be fair. I think I said this before uh, on a previous cast. If I'm going to buy a new console, I, I want to buy, I want to play new console games on it. So if I get PS5, there's only like three PS5 exclusives or whatever available at launch, then I'll be happy with that. Um, just like I was at PS4, the only game I bought was a gun, and I still play it today. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, if, if if there are some backwards compatible games, then great. I mean, it'd be great for everybody. But I'm not fussed by it. I wouldn't it wouldn't put me off. I've, I the games I do have, I probably played to death. Or if I haven't played to death, I've played them so much to a point I'm just bored and can't bother with them anymore. So I probably prefer more like PS5 made games than them to worry about about compatibility as a you know as a casual game like that. That's the kind of thing that I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, you know, okay. But I understand there's massive libraries that people have in games and it'd be kind of like almost criminal if they can't play them all. But one of the reasons why I go for like case editions rather than digital is that you can trade them in. So my game library isn't actually that big. I've got, you know, a bunch on, on you know, PSN and stuff, but, you know, I can do without them. It's fine. Yeah. CEX are buying PS4 Pros for £217 at the present moment. Oof. £217. Yeah. The problem is bad. they don't sell new stuff. That's That's the issue. The problem is they've got to, they've got to test it first, and how are you gonna how are you gonna guarantee they're gonna give you two hundred and seventeen? So when you trade it in, they'll go because you got to send it to them, and they'll go, yeah, we found a fault, so you're only getting like thirty quid for it. Yeah, well, I wouldn't sell it to them, would I? Oh yeah, you're not allowed in there, are you? Are you blacklisted on the website as well? Jesus Christ! I'll send someone in for me. How about that? <laughs> Hello, my name is Blosco. <laughs> Subject for another day. Why is Ross blacklisted at CEX? <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> He's never told us. He's never told us. <laughs> Well, he's never publicly admitted that on the podcast anyway, and we will get out of him. That's that's the centre of the bingo board, is where Ross explains why. It can't be far off, can it, Ross? You're not denying it. <laughs> yeah, silence is golden there. <laughs> I, I got it, I got it in one. <laughs> right, he's, the next story we're going to go on, <laughs> <laughs> What the bloody hell are Sega up to? Now, there's Sorry. something going on over in Sega. Sega! Now, we don't normally uh, comment on rumours and speculation, but... This one is interesting because on Wednesday of this week, the week you're listening to this podcast, Sega are making a revolutionary announcement. And no one can actually quite pin down what it's going to be, except for Sean, because he seems to know what's going on. But I don't know if I believe him yet, but we'll see. So there's a few rumors going around that they've got their 60th anniversary coming. And there's a rumor that a new console is on the way. I mean, it seems very unlikely. I don't think they have the capital behind them to actually do that. It looks like they could be partnering with Xbox to try and sell more Xboxes in Japan, and their console will be a Sega Xbox or something. There's a lot going on. It's all very strange. So what the hell are Sony up to? Sean, what can you tell us? 
from the rumor mill, Risa era, Neogaf, under the ground, people that you talk to and listen to. <laughs> okay, so this rumor originally started from a guy called uh, Larry Bundy Jr. Uh, he's a YouTuber. He does stuff with quite a lot of well-informed folk. And he tweeted, well, the latest Sega rumor that's going to rile up the gaming industry is, yes, Sega are releasing a console, but it's the Xbox Series X in Japan. Microsoft are rebranding it under Sega's name to gain a better foothold there. So the Sega Series X. Um, A couple of hours later, someone else who had absolutely nothing to do with with Larry Bundy Jr. tweeted something very similar. It's, I've been keeping an eye on this situation since I shared it with you guys. So I've been keeping an eye on this situation on on Twitter and on a lot of the forums. And the original Sega creator knows nothing about it. He shared it and was really enthusiastic about it, which means he knows nothing about it. Because (laughs) if he knew something, he'd be doing the typical, I cannot rumor on, I cannot comment on rumor and speculation. That, that everyone is told to say when somebody guesses right. So he knows nothing about it. And Sega haven't really commented on anything about rumor or speculation. But it makes sense, right? You know, Microsoft have really struggled over the years to get a foothold in Japan, even when they've gone out and bought exclusive games like Blue... God damn it, the name's gone out of my head. Blue Odyssey? Blue Odyssey, there we go. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Blue Odyssey and... They were going to have scale bound until they deemed it not to be up to their standards. But, you know, Microsoft have really been trying over the years to try and break Japan uh, because if they do, they can entice more developers and if they entice more developers, it will sell more consoles. And especially with China, because if you can get into China now, like China is a major market that could blow up in the next couple of years. Not okay, <laughs> from, from now on, I'm just going to call it China. China. So, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so so China is is exp- expanding. You know that after after this lockdown has come out, everyone's come back and games are coming coming back out again. And Sony releasing bundles and and it's like an untapped market that is desperate for gaming. And if if you can get into Japan, you are getting into a market with developers who can entice the Chinese market. You know that there's there's games being developed in China that um, are for the Chinese market, but there's been games de- being developed in Korea and Japan that are aimed at the Chinese market. So, you know, th- there is there's opportunities there, and it would make sense for Microsoft to try and get in there. Uh, and Sega Sega makes sense, you know. Sega they they don't have any skin in the game. Um, it might mean that Sega goes Sonic goes exclusive to to the Xbox for a bit, which I'm sure. Ross will be devastated about. No, they can't. Can they? Can they? I don't, I don't know. Like, it, there's no way that the Sega have the resources to be releasing their own console. And no, way, absolutely not. And it, they, but they can't, they can't take Sonic off Switch. The Game they Gear can't. too. Well, they, they uh, could. Sorry, if, sorry, if they just, make if they make this exclusive Sega version of an Xbox in Japan, are we going to need to buy another Xbox to play Sega games? How exclusive are we talking? I don't know. I mean, there's there's not supposed to be any Series X exclusives for at least a year, I think it was, that Big Phil said. So so maybe, you know, it depends. Your mate, Big Phil. <laughs> oh, God, Big Phil. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it would make sense for Microsoft to partner with Sega. Sega's branding is worth a lot in Japan. Um, even now, you know, it... Their, their consoles and their games still sell like hot shit over, over there, you know. Uh, it's still a, a recognised brand and if they were to call it the Sega Series X with a Sega logo on it, 
and it didn't have Microsoft on it. I mean, I don't, I don't. Part of me makes me think that Microsoft think that the Japanese market is dumb, and they would just buy it at the chance to to, to buy a Sega console mm. that's made by Americans, developed by Americans. <laughs> the money goes back to America. You know, I don't think the Japanese are dumb enough to just fall for that as a ploy. But to have a Sega console again, like mm. I would be tempted to import it. You know, oh man, imagine, imagine how much that'll be worth as well. I know the Sega Series X, like another Sega console. That's what I mean by exclusivity. Sega, Sega Series X, SSX. Exactly. Confirmed. It's an interesting rumor. We might yeah, be, and and the thing is, like Famitsu are really, really building this up. You know, they they've said it is on the level of importance as the Wired PS Five article, which you know, that was basically the first information we ever got was from a random article in Wired. So it's going to be interesting what happened on Wednesday. Wednesday is going to be big. <laughs> this whole week is going to be crazy. Oh God, I can't no. wait! I can't wait. So I mean. Yeah, the argument is how far does it go? I mean, are we going to see Sega exclusive games just on this thing, just in Japan, but they'll be released on other consoles elsewhere? I mean, it makes me sad to think how many RPGs would possibly be in that <laughs> one only and never get localized. It would what? be it would be back to the the old days of the '90s when I couldn't get all the games I wanted. Yeah, but come on, you know, I mean, region both, locks. Both... It, it it smacks of region locking as well. Yeah. Both Sega and Xbox aren't exactly known for their massive RPG catalogs. Outside of Fantasy Star, and now they've got a lot of old school IPs that they could re- they, they could bring back that they just haven't since tw- two thousand whatever it was when the uh, the Dreamcast sort of crashed and burned. Yeah, sort, what about what, a, what about Seaman? Uh, <laughs> Jet Set Radio. Not tonight, dear. I'm tired. What Jet Set Radio, Power Stone, Power Stone, Some great yeah. stuff Trick that style. could be brought back that hasn't for the oh, last yeah, twenty not, years. I'm not knocking. Shinobi. Shinobi did come out on the PS2. And it wasn't really PS2, good. I know. It, was, it wasn't that good, though, was it? No, that was, it was, was that the one where you uh, you could like free run across, like Prince of Persia started across gaps, but it was just death drops, weren't they? It was like, from what I vaguely recall playing of it in Game Station, it was in the wake of Sands of Time, but you could like hop across buildings, but it was like that Spider-Man 1 problem of no floor, so it was just terrible. Yeah, the, the geezer, the Shinobi had this really long Big flowing red, red scarf, scarf, didn't they, or something? That's it. Yeah, because yeah, ninjas do use them to sleep in. <laughs> but um, do you remember Altered Beast? That came back as well. It did. It was I remember it was terrible, but it had the most gory transformation FMVs ever. Nice. If you ever if you ever go on YouTube and just look for them, they are just like, how the fuck? Like people complain about Mortal Kombat, but Jesus Christ! Mm. That's PS3, yeah. wasn't it? No, no, it was right. PS2. Was it oh, really? Wait, hang on, no, hang on. Let me just have a look at the old googlies. I think it pretty. Well, I'm pretty sure it was Altered Beast on the PS2. 2005 PS2. Oh, but yeah, have a look at the transformation FMVs, or I think it's just the intro FMV. And oh my god. The other question is, why Sega? Why not? Relevant. Why not Capcom? Capcom don't need any more praise in Japan, do they? They're massive. From Microsoft's perspective, why? Oh, oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe it's because Capcom are unreachable to Microsoft. Is, is it because Sega yeah, have a history a, of hardware? Um, yeah, I was going to say maybe it's hardware. If it's software related, you could go with anyone like Capcom. But if it's hardware, then I mean, Capcom are whores. I mean, they were like quite exclusive to Nintendo for a while, weren't they? And they jumped to the PlayStation. Hence, why we got Resident Evil and. All that malarkey. Maybe if Microsoft came at them with a price, but then they have done absolute numbers with their PS4 versions of, you know, Monster Hunter, Resident Evil 7. So maybe they don't need the money. I mean, I don't yeah, know. I mean, that's the thing. Capcom have had a, 
an amazing bomb, generation. Uh, yeah, from 2017 onwards. But really. then, but when you think about it, all the Capcom games that have been, you know, doing doing the round recently and got all the praise, are also available on Xbox anyway. So, oh yeah, yeah, but they've done. Do you know what I mean? Numbers. I mean, oh, Sega, yeah, 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 yeah. I understand it because Sega, like, wow, it's a big the thing. What? And I'll probably just buy a, a Sega X Series X just because. We had elocution lessons on this before. It's a fucking Sega. It's fucking Sega. <laughs> it's only got one E. How many times? You call it a Sega drive, do you? It stands for service games, so Sega. Sega. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't say anything. I just say, I've got Sega. That's <laughs> it. Sounds like a venereal disease. Um, you're right. There have obviously, like Monster Hunter has been on the Xbox, and so is Resident Evil 7, 2, 3, all that malarkey. But if you look at their numbers, they've done well. It was the PlayStation that really got them into 32 bit onwards, doesn't it? So they've always got that loyalty as such to PlayStation. So maybe they don't need the. Uh, I think well, the Microsoft has more of an afterthought with them. But we well, are I couldn't just, see we an, are uh, a Capcom branded Xbox Series X, but the Capcom Series X, I, I don't think they would cut it. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is obviously like speculation at the moment. Of course. It wouldn't be a bad idea. But yeah, I think Ross is right. Like, why not something bigger? Maybe Sega is their only... Maybe they're both like two sinking ships and they're trying to... like You know when there's a, a Titanic split? Maybe they're, they're like two parts of two different ships and they're trying to like hold together to make some sort of life raft on the SS continent of Japan. Mm-hmm. That didn't work very well because the SS would be the ship. That was a terrible SSX. analogy, wasn't it? <laughs> Does, um, SSX. <laughs> Would this have anything, do you think, an expansion of the Sega Rages thing they've done a couple of years back? Yeah, I mean, they, it's... they bought out all their Sega games free to play, but, you know, you could pay for adverts and get rid of all the adverts kind of thing. Is that, yeah. that was Sega Rages, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, anything yeah. is possible, but this seems, the way they're hyping it up, it seems much bigger than that. And Dreamcast Mini. Oh, mate. I just saw a, uh, a mock-up of what that could look like, and I want it. Shared it in the Slack. Oh, the, yeah. the best, the best quote I've ever seen attributed to that is: "Stop whinging for a Dreamcast Mini. If you were that concerned, you would have bought one the first fucking time round." I did. <laughs> <laughs> I know you did, but you're like the only no, person. I, didn't know. Yeah, I think my brother, my, my brother's got one that my brother-in-law gave to him, and I think he played it once and went, "Wow, it's a Dreamcast." Oh, mate. I mean, either, either way, I mean, if it's like a Sega branded console or X, or like a Capcom branded console or a Dreamcast Mini or whatever it is. None of that really matches up the hype of what they're saying, is it? Do you know what I mean? I had to come up with any. It's got a Max PlayStation 5's big reveal, which is apparently coming this Thursday or whatever it is. Uh, an Xbox Series X with Sega logo on it. It's just not going to be like that revolutionary, is it? It's, it's, a, it's a bold idea and a bold move. And I understand it, it makes a lot of sense, but it's hardly sort of revolutionary, though. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's revolutionary to the point that Microsoft have gone, well, you know what? We hold our hands up. We can't do anything in Japan unless we have ties in with the, with the very already big established brand. Yeah. And I the think two biggest gonna, um, brands in Japan are Nintendo and Sony, and they're not going to let them do it. No. So they've gone, uh, Sega, here's a bit, <laughs> here's a billion dollars. Why don't you whack uh, your name Make on our break. console? Yeah. yeah. I think we're going to start a new drinking game that every time Paul tries to say Sega, we take a drink. Let's have a Sega base. A Sega he said it. Sega. <laughs> he said it. He said it subconsciously, though, without even thinking about it. He can do it. <laughs> Let's have a Sega based podcast and i keep saying Sega and he'll be like drunk as fuck and then he'll be funny the argument is of course is that going back to the retro days when they went Sega at the literal start of every single game that's how it's said let's move on (laughs) (laughs) a spurt it's in the gamay well we will talk about this next week because we'll know then and that's very exciting Uh, we got a big I should say this week uh, obviously the PS5 is being revealed kind of I think the games are being revealed. At least we don't know if we're going to see the box yet. But 
we are doing a big old reaction special. Hopefully going to do it in a very different kind of way if everything works. And it's going to be great. So look out for that during the middle of the week. This news, whatever the Sega news is, is big enough. Then maybe we'll do one for that as well. But we shall see. We might hold that off until the Sunday podcast. But that's what's going looking forward. Uh, Okay, right. Uh, Finally, just want to get very quickly on this because... The second PS Plus game for next month, along with Call of Duty World War II, which is out now, is Star Wars Battlefront 2. Now, of course, we all know how it all started with Battlefront 2. It was a complete disaster. Everyone hated it. The loot boxes were absolutely insane. It was ridiculous. It was just awful. EA had to come down and apologize. Disney themselves apologized for the state of Battlefront 2. It was just an absolute mess. And since then, the game has progressively gotten better and better and better. But, of course... Now people are going, well, I don't want to play for free. It's shit, innit? Uh, you know, the way the fucking internet is. <sighs> so I thought what we'd do is go, you know what? Battlefront 2 is actually really bloody good. And, well, we are going to spout the case for Battlefront 2 uh, right now. Who wants to start? I haven't played it, but because it's... <laughs> no, 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 no. not a good start, Graham. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just shoot down my optimism balloon. Go for it, great. Be optimistic for once. Oh, fuck you. Uh, Go on, I'm sorry. Carry on. I was going to say, I hadn't played it because of all the faff, malarkey, whatever with the microtransactions, and that killed my interest in it. But because it's now quote-unquote free, I'm really willing to give it a go. And I've got enough friends, and presumably you guys, that want to play it. So, not that you're not friends, I mean you guys as well, that want to play it. So, if the interest is there, and we can get on and play it, even if I just go on my own, I'm actually quite interested now. So I think all the people whinging going, oh, you know, it's free, bollocks, then let them... <laughs> Your guy's impression to the internet is amazing. Oh, it's just my general my general lowbrow, massive forehead, underbite, sort of Neanderthal approach to everything is that's my internet boys. Yeah, I think that it's quote unquote free and it's, it's with a service that we're going to be paying for anyways. Why not? What have you got to lose? Oh, some hard drive space, you know. It's Star Wars. Before Disney murdered it, and made the really good Last Jedi. It's better than Rise of Skywalker. Yep, I think just it give, it, give it a go. Wow, this is going to blow up an airbed there or something. I'm just like, I'm just like all, the, all the sequels are crap, but carry on, sorry. Uh, Last Jedi was good considering. Force Awakens, was just, Force Awakens was just one redone. Anyway, yeah, I mean, what have you got to lose? A bit of hard drive space, just give it a go. You don't have yeah. to do the microtransaction bollocks anymore because they've, they've changed it, haven't they? So that's my okay. case. Well, I've played it. Hey. Um, and, hey. However, um, I played it um, after I've been playing Destiny 2. And I think I've mentioned this before. If you go from Destiny 2 onto Battlefront, it's a massive chasm in quality of the shooting. So Destiny 2 is tight and it's wicked and meeting. The shooting in Destiny 2, I don't think has ever been beaten. Um, and then you switch to Battlefront, which is a decent game, don't get me wrong, but the shooting feels very sloppy and loose. And that stopped me playing it, which is unfortunate. It's not the game's fault, it's probably my fault. We could blame Bungie, perhaps. So, I mean, uh, you know, if you guys are online, I, I, I play it and it's free. There's no reason why you shouldn't download it. And it is Star Wars, and the story is good. If you take on the, uh, the role of a, a, a renegade, not renegade, a spy, a stormtrooper spy. And it takes place literally seconds after uh, Return of the Jedi. So it links it all nicely. It looks great. It's Star Wars. Absolutely no reason to get the ump about it because, you know, it's free-ish. So um, enjoy it. But, yeah, for me, I, I stopped playing it simply because I was playing Destiny too much beforehand, which is not really the game's fault. So I'll shut up now. I always thought it got a, a really bad rap at the start. And I think the microtransactions that existed were an option. 
I didn't buy any of the microtransactions and I had all of the characters unlocked within, I think it was like 14 hours of play, which I didn't think was so bad because I think that was the same as every other game that you, you know, when you play a Call of Duty, you start with the bare minimum. You don't have sights or gun camo or, you know, often some of the better, uh, you know, kill perks. And you unlock that through progression by using particular guns, by leveling up. That all felt very in line with my experience with Battlefront 2. I think the fact that these microtransactions existed, it wasn't wasn't pay to win. You know, paying to be another character, you know, the the game was so well balanced that it didn't feel like you were paying to win. It felt like each new character was something else to explore. I always think that the release of Battlefront 2 got a bad rap because I think microtransactions were a hot thing. Loot boxes were a hot thing. It had a variation of both of them. And I think quite a lot of the content creators on YouTube that didn't, that wanted something to rant about, found something that was culturally appropriate for everyone to rant, rant about. It was a first person shooter, very popular. It was Star Wars, very popular. It was EA, voted the worst game, the worst developer in america for like five years running it was just a perfect storm descended upon this game and i'll tell you i've i've had so many good times with this game that if you can get it for free if you can play for free now is the time the co-op mode is brilliant the single player story is brilliant you've got local arcade modes where you play as different characters in different maps and and these maps are brilliant so like the the capital supremacy mode that they introduced uh you know a couple of years after this game came out it's brilliant. You fight You fight on the ground and the idea is that you control points, you earn the points, and whoever gets to this, the first points tally then gets to fly to a ship with the rest of their crew on board there and then try to blow up the ship. So basically, and if you if you fail to blow up the ship, if you your amount of kills gets gets taken away, you then fly back down to the ground and fight again. And these, these battles could take two hours and you see the same player you you develop these little rivalries with these people it's it's a genuinely good star wars game and to address what paul was saying you know the guns are star wars guns you know the dl44 with han solo it's the gun there's no recoil it's not like in destiny where you can make up amazingly fictional guns that can do amazing fictional things these were the guns that were developed in the 80s the 70s even you know they had no recoil and, you know, if you play as a stormtrooper, you cannot be a sniper. You're a stormtrooper. You can't have a target reticule that's 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 like a pinpoint because you're a stormtrooper. Stormtroopers shoot like shit. So that is what's built into the game. You know, it's a game that is a Star Wars simulator first and a brilliant shooter now second. And if you can get this for free, I 100% guarantee that if you jump into a match with me, we'll have an absolute blast because it is a lot of fun. An Ewok hunt. Ewok hunt. You you, you hunt Ewoks in a, in a jungle. Come on. <laughs> like, yeah. how can you not go out and buy the game for that, you know? I hope people jump on this because I need noobs to kill. <laughs> yeah. It's tough as hell on, online, isn't it? Jesus. Well, I find it tough anyway. Yeah, when, Wednesdays have been double XP online for the last, like, six months. And Wednesdays are brutal. Brutal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and the campaign isn't that bad either, is it? It's a fine campaign. Like, yeah. what they put together was was very well put together. Yeah. It was a very fine campaign on both sides. <laughs> with um, <laughs> with, with Iden Versio. Yes. Leading the charge. Yeah, it was great. So, yeah, there we go. That's our case for Battlefront 2. It's free, for goodness sake. What are you doing? Go get it. 
Um, oh, sorry, Toby, have you got any final thoughts on Battlefront 2? Have you played it? Uh, I played all the way through the solo campaign, but that's really where my sort of gaming love is. I have no real interest in the multiplayer, but I totally agree with pretty much all of Sean's points. If it's free, why not? It feels great. It feels very Star Wars. I love blasters and such, and why should they be accurate? Totally agree with that. Yeah. It was just a really fun single-player campaign with, you know, before we got um, oh, the new one from EA, Jedi, which I forget the name of now, but I platinumed. Fallen um, Order? Fallen Order, that's it, Fallen Order. This was, you know, this was the only Star Wars campaign going for, you know, most of a decade, really. So it was um, it was really fun to play. I liked it. Grand. So, yeah, go get it. We'll play with you, maybe. Although, if you have heard this podcast in the past, we're very bad at getting together and actually playing video games with one another. But we'll... Uh, oh, that's we'll because it's true. Yeah, we'll make an exception if we uh, want to organise some sort of team night on Battlefront. That'd be a good laugh. Right then, it's time for Sean's Indie Corner. Okay, let's do this. I won't bore you to death. There's three games that I want to talk about, and they're all really look cool looking. First is called Dread X Collection. You might have heard about this, but if you haven't, you're about to enter like the Twilight Zone because this game sounds like something everybody should know about. So this game is 10 Tales of Terror from 10 Twisted Minds that were made over seven sleepless nights. That's the that's the tagline. Basically, you've got 10 game developers that all went out to make their own, and, and the pitch was make the, the PT for the horror genre you enjoy. So they got Airdorf Games, Malik, Odd Breeze, Strange Scaffold, Scythe Dev Team, who developed Scythe, obviously, Secret Cow Level, SnowRunner Games, David Shemansky, Lovely Hell Place, and Torpal Dork. These are all developers that, that have made games that you might have heard of, like Faith and Dusk and uh, Soda Pop. They, they've gone out and made a, a horror game in a week, and they put all of these games together into a collection called Dread X Collection. There are first-person horrors. There's a game that's all about centipedes that looks exactly like one of the old Nintendo Game & Watch things um, that's on your screen that you press the button. It looks brilliant. Um, there's a game that looks like a horror version of Zelda, um, and it's on Steam now. It's called Dread X Collection. I would highly... Uh, if, you, if you like horror games, go and give that a look. It looks really um, varied and... All the developers have got like a really great pedigree, so it's worth a look. Uh, so the second game is called The Red Lantern. So I've been wanting to talk about this game for a while, but the only thing I've ever seen about this game up until recently was a trailer. And that trailer was released at PAX um, earlier this year, before the end times. And the game is about a, a owner of some sled dogs and the five surviving sled dogs that get stranded in the Alaskan tundra after you've been attacked by a bear. It's a survival roguelike game, uh, but it's got a heavy narrative narrative element. So basically, these dogs are going to be your companions in the Alaskan wild. You've got to try and survive. You need to hunt and gather and survive in this wilderness. You can interact with each one of these dogs, but each dog is different and they have a different personality. Some dogs won't let you come and pet them unless you've earned their trust. And you're going to be making decisions along the way in this this um, Alaskan tundra uh, on on how best to survive. And some of the dogs won't like it. The game is violent, but it's 
um, a game that's trying to like not be violent for violence sake. So uh, one of the early encounters in the game is is you have to have like hunt this deer, and apparently this whole hunting section is uh, quite chilling, um, despite the fact that you're just hunting a deer. Um, it's it's going to be you're going to be making tough choices um, in order to survive, and the developers want this to be shocking. So the game is coming to. It's called the Red Lantern. It's coming to PC, Xbox One, and Switch this year. And currently, it this year is the only window we've got. But I've heard on the grapevine that it's sooner rather than later. So keep your eyes out for the Red Lantern. And there's a really cool trailer on YouTube. So if you search for the Red Lantern, you'll you'll find it. And the last game I want to talk about is called Ever Forward. So this game is from Panthea Games. Those are the people that developed my time in Porsche, which I think Roscoe's played. And has a preview or review on the site. I'm not sure. Yes, indeed. Uh, go read that. It's it's good. Okay. Um, <laughs> so they revealed their new game this week. It's called Ever Forward, and you play as this 12 year old girl called Maya, who is lost at the edge of dreams and reality. So she's in a creepy world which is made of blocks and surrealist things, and you play to unre- unveil the mysteries of her subconscious. And you can unlock her memory step by step and progressively face her fears and sorrows. Now, sounds a bit ominous, but I'm really into these kind of games. Like, I, I really enjoyed The Inner Friend. And this one, this game kind of looks like the spiritual successor to that. It's uh, all the characters are made of lights. There seems to be a really heavy narrative here. There's some decent voice acting from what I've seen in the trailers. And it's got puzzles. And apparently breathtaking environments. You can see all of this in the demo that currently exists on Steam. The demo lets you play 40% of the game, which is a hefty chunk, but you won't be able to see the end. You'll have to wait until the game releases on consoles and PC this summer. So that's Ever Forward from Panthea Games. Go and check out the demo, and if that's your thing, add it to your wish list, and, uh, and we'll see when it releases later on this year. That's certainly something that I'm excited for. And that is the three games that I want to talk about this month, unless you guys have got something else. I wanted to slowly drop in Across the Grooves. Yes. Um, which is coming this month from Novabox on the 17th of June. Um, it's a game I've been looking forward to for a while. I did a little write-up about it on the site a while back. It's an interactive uh, graphic novel set in a magical realism universe, and your decisions affect the destiny of a girl called Alice, who's drastically sort of changing her reality and allowing her to explore alternative destinies by modifying her past via listening to a set of vinyls that she has. So she'll listen to music and she'll remember where she was when she was listening to the music for the first time. And it's a just it just looks awesome. It sounds like a really, really interesting story. And oh man, it's all hand drawn. It looks it looks great. So yeah, just a little drop for across the grooves. What's what's that coming out on? Uh, it's coming out on Steam and Switch. And I think that's it at the moment. That's fair enough. Uh yeah. It only just got a switch, that's it. Yeah, it only just got a switch announcement with the release date. So it's coming day and date with the Steam version. Um, yeah, you can add it to your wish list. Uh, now I'm going to add a link in the uh, description for this podcast if you want to check it out. It sounds really interesting. And I think it should be on your radar. Right. Thank you, Sean. A pleasure. Don't go anywhere, though, because it's now time for the quiz answers. Okay, let's do this. Oh, here we go. <laughs> okay, that was disconcerting. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, question one was Pinkney Orphanage, GCPD Lockup, and Wayne Tower. 
let's start with Toby. Toby, what have you got for this? Okay, um, Arkham Knight. That is correct. Batman Arkham yes. Knight. That's why I asked which one. Yeah, which one of the three? <laughs> the, your, clue, your clue helps me, Greg. Sorry. No, no, it's good. <laughs> okay, question two, Noodle Park, Alcatraz, and the Swan Leave It Observatory. Paul, what's that, buddy? Is that Watch Dogs 2? Watch Dogs 2 is correct. Yeah. Oh, mm. No digs abound. Uh, what's going on? Okay, no, question... no digs incoming. <laughs> question three, Windhelm, Whiterun, and Riften, Roscoe? Is it uh, the Elder Scrolls Skyrim? That is correct, yeah. Which one? I'm which not going to... Which Elder Scrolls is it? Skyrim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which one? Which, which Elder Scrolls is it? There's a few. <laughs> Like, I'm not gonna ask. I'm not gonna ask you for the number of discs, Aaron. I think it's it's four, isn't it? You know. That's the fifth one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Why, what, yeah. what What are we doing here? Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> um, question four was Mother's Cradle, Devil's Grief, and Maker's End. Greg, what have you got for that? Uh, I got Destiny, but I don't think it's right. No. Uh, Roscoe, you tell me what it is. You sing singing <laughs> the theme music. It's Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. Mother's Cray. Oh, of course it is. Yep. Okay. Question five was uh, Times Square, Fist Tower, and the Daily Bugle <laughs> HQ. Toby, what was that, buddy? Mm, I went for Spider Man. Spider Man is correct. It's Spider-Man. actually called Marvel Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, I'll take Spider Man. Okay. Oh, question six. Taking the points where I can get them. <laughs> <laughs> question six Arco Theater, Union Station, and the Westlake. Tar pits. Uh, Paul, what have you got for this? Is this one LA Noir? Or yes. Noir? It is LA Noir. <laughs> Noir. You got to take his first answer. Noir is it's, not a word. It's no irie, isn't it? <laughs> no irie, man. Noir. La noiri. La noiri. <laughs> okay, question seven was Crater Lake, Wizard Island, and Hay- Highway 97. Uh, Roscoe, what have you got for that? I don't know this one. Uh, Greg, what have you got? I think it's Days Gone, isn't it? Days Gone is correct. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Crater Lake. Crater Lake was the bit that got me. Yeah. Days yeah. Gone. Okay. Uh, question eight Oxenfurt, Tamaria, and Vengerberg. Uh, Greg, what have you got for that? Witcher 3, World Hunt. That's correct. Yeah, Witcher 3. Okay. Uh, question nine Bunker Hill, Red Rocket Truck Stop, and Vault 88. Toby, what have you got for that? Uh, you see, you caught me on the one I didn't have an answer for at all. No idea. Okay, Paul, what have Probably you got? Um, I'm figuring it's going to be one of the fallouts. I'll just put down Fallout 4. Fallout 4 is correct. Oh, yeah. What a guess. Well, well muddled through there, Paul. <laughs> well, anything's got a word bunker in it, it's got to be related to Fallout. Red, I just remember Red Rock. I haven't played much Fallout 4, but I just remember Red Rockets right at the start where you get your dog, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously Vault 88 is the famous vault. Okay, question 10. Siwa, Alexandria, and Hermopolis. Roscoe? Assassin's Creed Origins. Assassin's Creed Oranges is absolutely correct. Yeah. Oh, wait, I was thinking yeah. of Pierce. I thought it was Odyssey. Yeah, I've written Odyssey as well. Uh, uh, yeah, because had... Origins. Origins is set in Egypt. Odyssey is set in somewhere else. I know. Greece. But the third one's not a Greek name. So. <laughs> That's why I jokingly went... I jokingly went, it's in Egypt, because I put Odyssey. Oh, egg on my uh... face. 
Yeah, so CY is where um, Bayek comes from. He's the main character. So, God, there's so much sand. I love that <laughs> game. That's my favourite Assassin's Creed game, that is. Well, okay. Did you get it right? I did. Well done. Okay. Let's let's tot up your scores. Let's start with the uh, two out of ten, Toby. How many did you get, Toby? <laughs> got seven. Seven Yay! out of ten, Toby. Well yes. done, sir. Well done. Okay. There was a lot of cheering. I'm not sure if that was supportive or you've just beaten them. <laughs> yeah, I think I've been beaten probably. <laughs> uh, Paul, how many have you got? I've got nine. Nine out of ten. That's impressive. Roscoe? I also have nine. Okay, then oh, Greg. Tiebreakers. Team seven with Toby. Okay. So there is a tiebreaker due. Oh, God. Okay, right. Let's do this tiebreaker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the question is, okay, in what year was the first open world game released? The closest will get the win. Okay. Let's start with, let's go age before beauty, Paul. <laughs> I'm going to go 1994. Okay, 1994 for the first open world game. I'm going to take you first, Danzo. <laughs> Ross, what are you going to guess? 1990. Okay. The, the correct answer is 1984. Yes! Yeah! <laughs> so Roscoe takes it. Fuck, what game was that? Released in Japan around the same time in 1984, the action role-playing game with Heidelight and Courageous Perseus were the first true open-world video games in the modern sense of the word. So if you want to get pernickety, they're probably not, but I think it's just generally recognised that they are. They were the first games to feature on-foot outdoor exploration and a fully-scaled, continuous open world. Interesting. There we go. There you go. All right. Thank you, Sean. Pleasure as always. Let's here comes uh, here comes the chipper Roscoe exits from the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Just to round this one out with out this week and out this week we have Valorant coming to PC on June the second. Liberated coming to Nintendo Switch on June the second. Awesome P two is coming to Xbox One on June the third. I don't know what that is, but I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, Depth of Extinction is coming to Xbox One on June the third. Tour de France 2020 is coming out on June the 4th on Xbox, uh, PS4, and PC. Cyber Protocol is coming out on June the 5th, along with Rigid Force Redux, which is coming to Switch on Xbox One. And Command & Conquer Remastered is coming on June the 5th, also along with The Outer Worlds on Nintendo Switch, a game I absolutely love. And if you haven't played it already, waiting for the Switch release, get it. It's going to be great. Uh, we Were Here Together is coming out on uh, Xbox One on June the 5th, and Strawberry Vinegar is coming to Nintendo Switch on June the 5th, which looks like a Sean Davies joint if I've ever seen one. My goodness me. Everything you've just said is my joint. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm tempted with the Outer Worlds, to be honest. I'm tempted to have that on me at all times. Again? Wow. I've been really tempted to get this Outer Worlds game, but I'm not really quite sure what game it is. What what, what sort of game is it? Can you, like... You know, enlighten me. Fallout, but better. Yeah, it's Fallout, but fun. You can complete it in 10 minutes. Oh. You can if you, yeah, you can if you do certain things, but don't. (laughs) You can actually play the game in a fun way. And yeah, it's all decision making. It's all uh, full of great characters and it's very light. It's just good fun. And uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. I played it in about. No, I'm tempted. I must admit. Played it, completed it in about four days. I really, really enjoyed it. And I don't often do that with games. And so. Oh, yeah, highly recommended. Made by the guys who, who made Fallout, Obsidian, or certain members of the crew that made uh, that made Fallout. And, they yeah, they went and made Fallout, but, yeah, an actual enjoyable version. 
which is actually yeah, fun. Fallout 4 was just misery, wasn't it? Wasn't it just? Uh, right then, that does bring an end to this week's Finger Guns podcast. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at FNGRGNS on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Finger Guns UK. You can follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash fingerguns.net. What I'll do, I'm going to put a link, I'm going to put our link tree into our description. If you click that link, it'll take you to everywhere we are because link tree is my new favorite thing in the world <laughs> and it links you to everything with just one click. Absolutely fantastic. So make sure you check that out. That also takes you to all of our podcast places and our Patreon. If you do think we're worthy of 83 pence a month to keep this podcast alive, oh, on all of its, I think we are too on our various services. Why not? It's a good time. And hey, you know, that would be great. Thank you very much. That does bring an end then to our podcast. Thank you very much indeed to Mr. Greg Hicks. Bye-bye, Greg. Goodbye, everyone. Bye from Mr. Paul Collett. See you. Goodbye from Mr. Toby Anderson. Sayonara. Goodbye from Mr. Sean Davies. Toodles. And a goodbye from me. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Roscoe. We'll see you next time on the Finger Guns Podcast.